Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello and welcome to The Rest is Football with Alan Shearer, Micah Richards and me, Gary Lineker. Uh, yes, that's right. The trio are back together. Alan's back. Gents, um, you've had an interesting couple of days um, between you, obviously covering the games. Uh, Micah has had a little fallout. No! <laughs> Let's not make headlines here, Gary. Let's not make headlines. Pep's had a little... Snipe and it, you know to his Manchester City ambassador. <laughs> this is what I mean. I was, I was confused. So somewhere within the punditry, Gary Neville has basically said City may be coming complacent or whatnot, and Pep must have seen that somewhere. So in his press conference, I think it was for the Villa game, or uh, it might have been, it might have been after the game. He basically says, the journalist asked him a question about what do you think about the, the pundit's um, reaction to, to the game uh, and being complacent, something along those lines. And he started going on about different things and form and tactics and all that sort of stuff. And then he basically said, uh, Gary Neville has not won four in a, a row. Jamie Carragher didn't win one. And Mike <laughs> and Micah Richards has only won one, but I don't understand talking about the Premier League basically. And and I was thinking to myself like, how have I been put into this situation when I've been nothing but positive about Man City? I said maybe individual mistakes. I've talked about centre halves coming into midfield and not stopping the the counter attack and. Uh, Dave Jones asked me on air, basically. He said to me, a, a city taking a foot off the gas? And I basically said, no. So I this didn't say that, Pip. I didn't <laughs> say it. I'm so sorry, Pip. Honestly, but, I didn't mean to upset you. But I didn't even, what he said, I didn't even find disrespectful. I thought, fair play. If someone's asked you a question and you want to say something, I didn't take no offense to it at all. But it's the headlines after. And then all the Man City fans, Pep pops Micah back in his place Micah's supposed to be one of us he's supposed to be City through and through and he's slagging City off I never once slag City off so it's gone full circle I was amazed even you Micah Richards played for Man City 
To be honest, pretty you know astonishing. What the next is? <laughs> Micah Richards axed as Man City <laughs> ambassador. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> he loses his half a million pound a year ambassadorial role. <laughs> He'd finally be able to say what he really thinks. Um, <laughs> I will say one thing though: on it, that it's very, very irritating that journalists do that in press conferences. What the, I've had that so many times, where they'll lift a little tweet you've done, or they'll pick up something that you said somewhere, and they'll go to a manager because they haven't got the balls to ask the question themselves. So they go, well, Micah Richards said, or Gary Neville said that you've taken the foot off the gas and blah, blah, blah. Why don't they say, do you think you've taken the foot off the gas? Because they haven't got the courage to do it. So they they hide behind people in the public eye to try and goad the managers into res- responding uh, like that. And I've, oh, that's always, well, I mean, that, got a lot of respect for a lot of journalists in the game but that side of it is I think has always been tricky because also they don't give you the whole picture of what you might have been talking about so they'll just they'll just take out one little bit from it <laughs> and, and and then they'll wind the managers up so they end up having a pop at you and then you you're in all the headlines of all the papers and you think <laughs> hang on a minute that's been taken totally out of context. I've had City fans tell me, Yo, you, you've never been a legend at our club. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't even play that much the, the year they won the league anyway. Zabaleta, they brought Zabaleta back in. I was fine. I was, Zabaleta's our hero. I was gone. <laughs> Finally, they're seeing the true Michael Richards. <laughs> uh, well, well, Pep wasn't the only uh, manager to get no. the hump. Um, um, Jurgen Klopp last night at the end of the game dismissed um, the, the presenter as, as arrogant, didn't know what he was talking about, just because he made like a really, really mild joke about the fact that Klopp doesn't like a 12.30 kickoff. And I must say, I, I, I don't think he, the, he did anything wrong there. I think Klopp was just obviously stroppy about something and it was it was really weird i mean it's not a, he said how could you joke about something like that and i think what a 12:30 kickoff and it's not exactly the you know it's not a hill to die on that one is it really i mean <laughs> when when you look oh. at the things going on around the world at the moment um but anyway i i understand managers are under pressure i think arteta the other night was a bit arteta was a little bit give us nothing before the game um and do you know what I wonder what on earth is the point of the of the interviews before the game and sometimes after you know from managers. And it, I mean, I know we had the Arteta rant when it happened at Newcastle, but other than that, sometimes interviews with managers before and after games are a complete waste of time because they're doing an interview the day before, they're doing an interview before the game, an hour before the game, they're doing an interview half an hour after the game. To their in their defence, they must think, what on earth are we? doing all this for it's like well they're contractually obliged aren't they I know they are so I know that's they are. why I know that's why the clubs get paid a lot of money for them to do that but from a manager's point of view you're always going to protect your players you're always going to protect your football club so in the end you think sometimes what's the point well, it's it's obviously a contractual obligation for them, but but you can see certainly with some managers. I mean, Pep before 
before matches um, is always pretty dismissive. You can tell he really doesn't want yeah. to be there. And I can understand that. It'd be the last thing yeah. in the world you'd really uh, want to do. I mean, nowadays as well, you, you get in the odd manager being interviewed at half time as well, aren't they? Oh. So. <laughs> can you imagine? Well, they never really oh, say the anything. The thing is, they never say anything of interest. They're never going to go, right, we were doing this wrong in the first half. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to surprise them with three up. <laughs> so they're, they're never Never give you anything. So I'm actually with you on on that one. I, I suppose we should probably discuss the actual football. That um, there's been, you know, there's been some cracking stuff over the last few days. Um, let's start with last night though, and Aston Villa because I thought they were absolutely uh, magnificent. What's a performance from Aston Villa, Alan? Obviously, Gary, I didn't see the whole game, but I watched the highlights in the car on the uh, on the way back. I mean, sometimes you can say wins are fought a bit fortunate, a bit lucky, got a decision, but there was none of that from Aston. Villa from what I saw because obviously I was doing the Man United game against Chelsea from what I saw with Aston Villa they thoroughly deserved it they were the better team they pressed them they harassed them and they thoroughly deserved the three points they weren't just the better team they absolutely <laughs> battered them I felt I mean it was actually a really good hiding um, they were given Villa were like the better team in every department right throughout I cannot remember Manchester City being dominated by any team in a game like that for an awfully long time. How impressive they were on the press more than mm. anything, like Bailey and Watkins up front. The, all the stuff that Man City do to teams, they did to Man City. But it's not only that I was having the, the confidence to do that. The manager needs all oh, the praise. Yeah. His record since he's... He's come to the Premier League. It must be like third or fourth best within the whole league. It's absolutely incredible. The confidence is high with all the injuries Villa's had as well. But it was always going to be difficult for Man City without a Rodri away from home against Villa. Obviously, he was suspended. Jack was suspended. But it doesn't matter. All the credit has got to go to Aston Villa. I thought Douglas Louise was terrific. I mean, in that midfield area, they, they were just on top. As you said, they were pressing them high. They were constant. I mean, they had so many shots. I mean, more than I think City have been on this receiving end of for, for, for quite some time. Um, I'm going to ask you, Micah, do, do you think Pep and Manchester City have, have got a bit complacent? <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a yes or a no, please? No. Like, yeah. no. <laughs> uh, For the sake of my ambassadorial role, no. <laughs> no, in all seriousness. No, I don't think they have been complacent because when I was doing the Spurs game, Man City Spurs at the weekend, Haaland could have scored a hat-trick. Foden could have scored probably one more. Alvarez could have scored. And normally, last season they would have put them games to bed. I think this season, I, I, I'm not saying teams are riding their luck, but Spurs are having a go. Villa are having a go. Normally people sit deep and let Man City dictate the ball. People are having a go and saying, okay, we know they could be weak on the counter-attack and they're trying to have a go and exploit that. It doesn't help getting rid of the likes of a, a Mares or a Gundogan. Um, them players were so vital last season, if we're being totally honest. But I don't think it's complacency, I don't. I just think it's come down to individual errors at the wrong times. There's the headline. <laughs> Richard slams Pep Guardiola for selling Mares and Gundogan. <laughs> 
a tough, it's a tough business. This, um, uh, this, this, <laughs> this punditry game, Micah. It's, a, it, it's tough, but I think. I mean, ultimately, they, you know, they, they are human beings, and and they, and they will have dips in form, and that's 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 what happens. However good you are, that's there's a reason that that teams don't win the title. Um, four or five times on the bounce because it's it's really hard to do that, particularly when you've got a, a very competitive league um, like um, the Premier League. But um, it kind of takes us on to the Manchester United game because Manchester United, despite all their problems, despite the crisis and all the talk, they're only three points behind Manchester City. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Ten Hag deserves a bit of credit, you know, because he was under huge pressure after the shambles of the weekend at, at what happened at Newcastle and he made some big calls. Um, he left Rashford out. He left uh, Martial out um, and it worked. His team were full of energy. Um, they were a better team. I mean, it should have been probably, it should have been 6-3 at half time, you know, such was... Yeah, I enjoyed the... F- I, I watched most of yeah. the first half before I switched to the to City game or tried to switch to it. Um, yeah, they were... Um, they played really well. They were they were, the, they were much the better side, weren't they? They were much better than Ch- Chelsea. I mean... <sighs> I worry for Chelsea a bit. Yeah, I was like... I mean, they're so bad in forward positions. The number... I mean, the first half, they got into four or five great positions. And it's either a poor finish or a poor final pass. If I had any hair, I'd have been pulling it out with Mudrick. Because, <laughs> oh. I agree. It, you know, as a, as a, as a centre forward, you think, come on, just put me in, just lay me in. And it's either two yards behind him or five yards in front of him. It's thinking, oh my God, just find a simple pass, please. And that that was a constant all throughout for, for, uh, for Chelsea. Didn't push as much. In the second half, but the first half, I was. Let me like, let uh, me ask you something, Alan, because I saw you on you on the pitch doing your bit before the game, mm. um, and all the players are warming up, and you've you've been quite well, very critical of of Manchester United and their their players this season. Did any of them try and like when they were warming up, like knock the ball and knock your head off or anything? <laughs> Did anyone say anything? I, 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 <laughs> No, I, actually, I don't. I'm not. I'm not comfortable doing that. You know, when you go and stand in the middle of the pitch, <laughs> it's not weird, because isn't of, it? You get players whacking balls at you because that's what I would have done if I was a player. But <laughs> it's like awkward because to do your job, at putting the pundit, you, you, sometimes you have to be critical, hmm. and then you're standing there five or ten yards away from the players. <laughs> but you know what it is, particularly after what happened on Saturday, I, I felt I felt totally fine because I know that their performance on Saturday was unacceptable. And I've criticised for lack of trying, etc. And I wouldn't take back a word that I said. And it's true because the manager left them out last night and then they go and win the game. So it's it was sort of vindicated his decision. But yeah, they were, they were much better. And if I'm correct in saying that Man United are, what, three points behind Manchester City? And, and when you look at the criticism and everything else that... Man United have had or Ten Hag have had three points behind City. Gary just said that about two minutes ago if he was listening. I was. But there are are a few more behind the leaders. Yeah, well, obviously, um, Arsenal, um, tipped by one of us, I think. Oh, here we go. Here we go. We can Google Pixel that as well, Michael. We can erase that. No, you can't keep taking things out. Um, and, uh, well, if you're going to do it, do it during the halftime interval. We'll take a break. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. Um, briefly mentioned the fact that um, Arsenal had got a little gap at the top of the league um, before we went to the break. And they're doing the sort of things you need to do if you're going to win a title or certainly compete for a title. Um, and that's, you know, scoring goals with the very last touch of the game, almost um, Declan Rice's header, 4-3. I mean, I have to say I felt for Luton because I thought they really gave a, you know, had a really good go. Obviously, Arsenal were very much on top and had, had lots of chances. But um, those kind of moments, what do you need? Well, I was there. I was, so I was lucky enough to be there, actually, because it was a brilliant game. Um, great little atmosphere. You know what Luton's like, the tight ground, and, and they were right behind their, their, their players. and It was great to be there. But I did feel for Luton because they gave everything, scored three goals, were really impressive. I know um, the goalkeeper sort of gifted them too. But if you're an Arsenal fan and Arsenal players, that's a really good sign. Didn't play particularly well, but they kept on going and pushing all the way and getting another late goal as they did last weekend against uh-huh. Brentford it was, wasn't it? So, I mean, from an Arsenal point of view, you've got to be delighted with that without playing particularly well and getting the three points again. The way they did it, Declan Rice, what, what a signing he's been. I mean, 100 million when people were discussing the fee and what have you. He's, it's, I think it's proven to be a bargain. He's just a brilliant player and to, for him to pop up and get the goal... I mean, it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Particularly with Man City being beaten and then the, the, them getting the, that, that three points. It's huge. This week's been huge for uh, for Arsenal and for, for Liverpool. So, um, yeah, well done, Arsenal. Did you notice anything different, Al, you know, at the game? Because normally when we're doing match of the day or if you're doing Amazon, sometimes you'd be up doing the co-coms or whatnot. You know, when you're at the game, at a tight little ground, can you see who the real leaders of that team are with Arsenal? And do you think they've got enough then to get over the line? Because sometimes it's just about mentality in some games, not just all about ability, you know? Well, it's a, it's about Arsenal. It's about getting over the line. Um, it's been so long that's, that since they've, they've won it. Obviously, that's what their their aim was before the season, to do better than they did last season. They spent a, a lot of money in, in trying to improve. They have improved. They're better. Um, but I think 
The hard part for Arsenal that's going to be mentally going into the second part of the season is that they, them having the belief that actually, yeah, we can stay this time and um, City or Liverpool uh, are not going to come back to us or Villa or whoever it may be are not going to get to us. So I think that's going to be the hard part for Arsenal. But I'm really impressed in, in what I'm seeing because it's how many times over the years we've said just find a way to get three points and Arsenal have done that in the last two games that's the impressive thing I can see leaders in that team Mike can't you like Declan or Ice obviously is one Saliba and Gabriel at the back as as well I I, I think um, Odegaard obviously even even Saka in his own way Saka, yeah. I mean what a wonderful footballer he is I, what, the other night again I mean his decision making I, I yeah. mean he, every time you're watching the game you go oh do it and he, do, he does what you, you can see and, and and when you're watching a game, that's obviously a lot easier than when you're playing a game because you can see the whole picture. Yeah, he's lovely, lovely footballer. He's so good. His delivery as well on set pieces and things like that. Um, everything about him. One quick question for you both. Rice or Rodri? Rodri. Rice. <laughs> I love it. Where's that bump wagon? He just jumps on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's his opinion. Rice is, is a very, very good player. You don't have to justify your decision. Oh, You've Mike, said it, huh? it's fine. No, but, okay. Okay, you'll be getting a phone call. Rodri, upset Rodri, <laughs> will you? <It's> like... <laughs> well, he's, he's treading on thin ice as it is, Alan. So. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough call. I mean, I, Rice is everywhere. When, I mean, Rodri's brilliant as well. Obviously, they're both absolutely top players, but... I think the way Rice has gone straight into things at Arsenal and, and become, you know, absolutely one of the most important players, and the way the way he runs with a ball, he covers distance, he bursts the lines. I think Rodri overall would probably get a few more goals, um, but there's, you know, there are there are certain similarities. They both keep the ball really well, very rarely give it away. Um, both terrific players, that's for sure. Both of them are superb, yeah. Excellent footballers. I'll go back a little bit because we've got the title race now, haven't we, with um, Aston Villa in the, the top three. Could they conceivably put a challenge in this season to the title? Um, or is ab top five probably is is would be the ultimate that they could achieve? Yeah, that for, for me, I don't think they can challenge for the title, no. I think... When you go into the second part of the season, um, what's been impressive is is that because they're playing on a Thursday night as well in Europe, then to have or not have as many injuries as a lot of other teams uh, have, have had, then that's the impressive thing and keep on going. I mean, I think that's, is it 14 wins on the spin now at home? Oh, yeah. Amazing. At, uh, at home, yeah. So they're brilliant. But no, I don't, I don't see them um, in the title race, but I, d I definitely see them challenging for... Uh, Champions League? I don't know, third, fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, They'd be one of the, the slight worries for you, Alan, with your Newcastle hat on, wouldn't they? In terms of I the think the chasing pack this year has really improved. Villa have, Spurs have. Brighton. Obviously, Newcastle have, Brighton. And I, I think that's what we're going to see, is that we're going to see more teams taking points off each other because everyone certainly within the top six or seven is improved. It's good for the league, though. We want a competitive yeah. league. We want more teams in it than, than just City running away with it, don't we, Micah? Agreed. I, I think um, it all depends on injuries. Because you remember with, with Spurs, they was on fire. I think, realistically, Champions League is where Villa should be aiming. But, but who knows? You keep everyone fit. You get something in January. 
But I just think with that week when Spurs looked like they were flying, then they lost three in a, in, in a row, but they still played well, lost some key players. I just think at the second part of the season, Alan is totally right. When your top players sort of drift off a little bit, you need someone to carry you through to the next level. And I just don't know if Villa will have that in the second part. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree. Um, let's switch um, down to the other end of, of the table. Um, well, not quite the bottom, but um, alarming result um, for Nottingham Forest last night. They've had a they've had a bad run now. Conceded twelve goals in the last four games, lost five of the last six. You know, there's a danger of them dropping into that relegation battle. Um, there was talk about Steve Cooper's position. Um, at the same time, let's give a huge shout out to Fulham uh, for banging in five goals. And it was lovely to see Raul Jimenez um, scoring a, a couple of goals because we talked about him um, just a couple of weeks ago and the fact that maybe if he scored a, a goal or two, then he'd, he'd come back to that well, the brilliant form that we saw at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Just goes to show though, Gary, doesn't it? What was it? We did our predictions thing, what, a month ago? And I said, I probably think the only one I got wrong was Forrest. They're flying just below mid-table. I didn't think they were going to be in a relegation battle. Well, I mean, I put them in there originally, but I have to say, no, I think I'm wrong. But it's amazing, isn't it? A month later, he's under huge pressure. So basically what you're trying to tell us here, Alan, is actually you were right about all 20 well, clubs. I was waiting for you to say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we've already seen, we saw the first manager go, didn't we, yeah. with uh, Heck and Bottom when they were batted five. Off, uh, off Burnley, and there's, he was already there was already question marks in the media about Steve Cooper. So I hope I hope they don't press the button. I hope they give him um, a bit longer because I, I like him as a coach. I think he's done a wonderful job. Yeah, and I think he's probably. I mean, I thought the same with Brendan Rodgers, and I think sometimes a manager earns the right um, to at least try and keep them up to give them a, a run at it. Because as we've always said, that grass is greener on the other side is not is so often not um, mm. the case. But um, but Jimenez, that was that was a great to see, Micah. We were talking yeah, about that not long ago. I said on one of the early episodes that he was going to be... <laughs> a round of applause, a, man, a, a sarcastic clap. <laughs> and H and John, the, the producers, they will be able to dig it out if Alan Moore. I thought he would have scored more than that because he's a talent. And Fulham create chances. And yes, he had a horrific injury. But you, you don't really lose that talent. It, maybe you lose your timing and your confidence, but it was great to see him score. He took his first goal brilliantly, just lifted it over the, the keeper. Lovely um, connection with it. And long may it continue because it's a great story. Yeah, it is. Uh, Bournemouth are on a roll um, mm. um, with Iraola. He's obviously he's taken a, a little bit of a time for, for the players to get accustomed to his what he wanted. But one four and drawn one of the last six games now and um, on a real roll. I think I mean. a bit of a turning point, wasn't it? When You remember when Bournemouth played Wolves and Wolves beat them and we were all like, oh, how do they feel now? You yeah. know, because of the, the Gary O'Neill situation. But after that, They've gone from strength to strength, and it seems as if to get they're getting to grips with with his style, and that they're getting results. So, um, yeah, they'll be delighted now. I feel as though I don't owe the the bomber fans an apology, but I had them down. I couldn't really see what was what they was doing, and we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about we could see the improvements, getting results, but they actually look like a very good 
side now. It's just whether they can keep that going for the remainder of the season. It is. Um, I want to finish um, um, this episode by talking about um, the television side of the game a little bit because it was announced um, this week that their new record, £6.7 billion deal for Sky and TNT to show up to 270 live games. And the deal includes Match of the Day um, being maintained on the BBC. I think that's... uh, well, I would say this, a good move from for, for the Premier League, extra four years, because I think we have to remember that pretty much half the country doesn't um, and can't afford um, the likes of uh, Sky and, and TNT for their extra football. So they get their Premier League fix uh, through match of the day. But it's obviously um, great news for us and, and great news um for those of you that work at Sky, Micah, as as well. So, yeah. Um, so it's it's onward and forward, but it's a monster of a business, isn't it? <laughs> it takes- can, you, can you remember when it, back in 1992 when it first started from then to now? I mean, what did you say? 6.7 billion. I mean, oh my word. It is, a, it is an unbelievable juggernaut wherever you go, wherever in the world you are, the, the first thing anyone ever says is the Premier League this or the Premier League that. It is just gigantic. It's incredible. Amazon, um, who've obviously been showing um, some of the games and they've done this week, um, didn't get any rights in this new deal. Um, they're probably focusing perhaps on, I think, the Champions League coverage starts next um, season where it's I think they get Tuesday nights of the Champions League uh, coverage. Um, the other thing that happened... Um, this week was a couple of cup competitions where both ITV and BBC take their picks of the matches. Let's start with the FA Cup. Um, Alan was really excited, the fact that we might um, on BBC do Sunderland against Newcastle. Um, in the end, that game had to be played as, a, as an early kickoff, um, which is obviously not great for television. And the BBC chose um, Arsenal against <laughs> Liverpool, which is a, a lot further oh. south for some of us than a bit, a bit disappointing for you there, Al. Although, you, I don't know, going to Sunderland for you must be quite it's quite scary. No, Bring back no, so many yeah, bad no. memories. Man, good memories. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hope the bosses don't mourn when Arsenal and Liverpool put their reserve sides out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah. you, you couldn't ignore that one. It's such a huge game, isn't it? Two giant mm. clubs. So I, I understand why. Yeah. And the other thing is um, to let you know, because we were talking last week about the European Championship was drawn and then they have the divvy up between BBC and ITV. And I told you how it works, that um, every tournament, um, they alternate who gets first pick. Um, ITV had first pick in this one. And this is roughly how it went, just to, to let you know how it works. So ITV's first pick was the first choice of uh, a semi-final. So obviously they're thinking that if England get through or even Scotland or even unlikely because Wales have not qualified yet, but they might do. So one of the home nations got all the way to the semi-final. That would be um, a huge game for them, understandably so. Um, So they went with the first um, choice of the semi-final. Um, BBC, we responded with the first choice, as you would, of the quarter-final. So again, if 
one of the home nations is it goes all the way um, to the quarterfinals and that would be the first pick there um, after that um, ITV went first choice of the last 16 um, and then of course you look at the group games so um, BBC um, chose one of the group matches ITV chose the other then um, the BBC got the other. So I think uh, BBC have got Denmark and Serbia, ITV, Slovenia. And then it branches out because then we're thinking um, ITV have got the choice then. And their choice really would have been either to go the second semi-final or a second quarter-final, but more likely the second semi-final. But because obviously it's a huge game in, in one of the other groups, Scotland um, against Germany, they went for Scotland, Germany. And then BBC goes for the second semi-final because... You don't really want one channel to have both semi-finals, and then it goes on and on and all the way, and then it would be uh, BBC got two more, two of the Scotland group games, which is great news. And then the the difficult one is obviously because you don't know whether Wales will qualify. So, and if they do, I believe BBC might get two of those as well. So, all in all, you end up with what you get. But it's an interesting kind of formula. I was having some problems then. Can you just do all that again? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what you say, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's lots to look forward to. Some great FA Cup matches and, and the Euros at the end of the season. I think on that note, we should call it a day just because I can't repeat it, Alan. I, I, <laughs> I hope I didn't make too many mistakes. I think I, think I got it about right. Um, uh, that's it from us uh, for this week, of course. Um, we'll be back um, with our usual episode on Monday morning. Oh, uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Cheers. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, U.S. Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics U.S., brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? <laughs> well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts.